0: You're listening to The Private Podcast for The Matrix with Amber Smith. Boundaries is not like a super sexy thing to talk about, but I learned really powerful boundaries and not just like what I say to people, but in how I am. When I worked at that residential treatment center that I've talked about before, because the girls would push pretty much every boundary you would have. And so you learned how to both articulate your boundaries, and we're gonna talk about spoken and unspoken boundaries today. But I did write this because I believe this, set yourself and your client free. Because when you have spoken and unspoken boundaries, you don't worry about your clients, they don't break your boundaries, and then you have this awkward feeling, and maybe they do, we're gonna talk about if they do and how to handle that. But I really feel like this sets you up for that feeling of a healthy relationship depending on who you coach, sometimes they're going to have patterns of unhealthy relationships and that will include you. And so that's really important to keep an eye on that they might make you one of the people that they have unhealthy relationships with. And so I think boundaries in this context are so important because it makes everything else work. And so let's dive in. (laughs) Okay. Feel free to ask questions either in the chat or just raise your hand and we can talk about it as I go through. And this is everything I'll say about boundaries. Doing this kind of work, this boundary work, will make you a better person in a relationship, not just a coach. It'll make you a better mom. It'll make you a better wife. It'll make you a better friend. It'll make you a better worker. (laughs) It just changes your relationship with other people and yourself, right? For me, this work changed my life. The first self-help book I ever read was called Codependent No More. And the reason that I love talking about this is because As helpers, sometimes we tend to not have boundaries because we just want to go above and beyond for everyone that we love. (laughs) And it burns us out and it actually keeps people stuck. So my first coach was not my coach, technically. She was my boss, but she really was like my first coach in my life. You know what I mean? And so one of the things she told me is that my need to be needed, my lack of boundaries with people was making me sick. In fact, when I worked at the residential treatment center, I did find myself on antidepressants and seeing a therapist (laughs) because I just let everyone's stuff in. And so we're going to talk about the importance of having a boundary energetically as well. It is not just behavior. So I'm just going to give a quick recap. I'm sharing things that we've talked about so that why boundaries play into this, right? Everyone at every level of success experiences pain and suffering and has a desire to be witnessed. And this is where we meet them at the door, right? We come to witness them, but there is this energetic line that they are them and we are us, and we don't have to become them. Their problems don't have to become our problems in order for us to witness them, to have empathy, to love them, to serve them. My client is the genius of their own life. They need no saving. That's an important boundary. Our clients don't need us to save them. They want something we don't have yet. They don't have it yet because of conscious and unconscious ways of being, thinking, feeling, and acting. Anything is possible for them. The next thing we talked about was the emotional scale or the map of human consciousness. Someone was asking me this actually in a private call, and I thought it was really good to kind of differentiate. One of the things that I think might be helpful is I like to use the emotional guidance scale for emotions on a day-to-day basis, right? Emotions that flux and change. I like to think of the map of human consciousness like a resonant way of being in the world. So this doesn't necessarily change day-to-day. It's my dominant thought. It's my dominant way of existing in the world. If that is not helpful, toss it, but that might be helpful to you so that you know, sometimes we're working with emotions and sometimes we're working with levels of consciousness and emotions can change and that's okay. And I talked about how this is what we're really after for a client. And this is relevant to boundaries too, because sometimes these get really muddy for us as the coach and really muddy for our clients, right? How they're feeling, what they're saying, how they're acting in our coaching relationship or how they're acting in their life kind of leaks into the relationship that they have with you. That's what we've been talking about. Now let's apply it to boundaries. Definition. A line that marks the limit of an area. A bound or a limit are two of the definitions that I found. And so I like to think of it where my presence, my energetic field or my energy, this is where it ends and this is where my client begins. That is the boundary. Because I think if you identify as like empathetic or an empath, it can be easy to almost take on the emotions of people around you. If that doesn't resonate, it's not going to resonate and that's okay. But if it does, like me, this is something that I struggle with. It's so important to almost differentiate yourself from your client. Your client's problems are not your problems. And sometimes it's easy to think that because you're the coach, their problem is your problem, but it is not. It is your role to assist them in solving their problem, but you don't need to feel the emotions of that problem. So you have to separate who is who. <laughs> you are not responsible for how your client feels, what your client does, what your client says, what happens to your client outside of your relationship with them, right? You are responsible. We're going to tell about what you are responsible for. But sometimes we feel a sense of responsibility and there is a healthy amount of responsibility and an unhealthy amount of responsibility, right? I can't control what my client does or what happens to them. I can help them navigate that. I can help them think through that but I don't need to take it on as my responsibility outside of my coaching relationship with them. When I was a new coach, I used to worry about my client. Anyone to worry about their clients? (laughs) I know I've been where it's like outside of my coaching hours, I was thinking about them. I was stressing about them. I had no boundaries of how I thought about my client. And so that's like a red flag. It will burn you out. And I just wanted to say like, this doesn't mean we don't care. It means we know who is who. What problems are whose problems and we remember that our clients are powerful that was one of the biggest ahas that i had is boundaries help me remember my clients are powerful it's a belief that i have right if i think my clients are weak i'm going to stress about them i'm going to worry about them but if i believe my clients are powerful i trust that even when they're in a crisis or a problem they can figure this out and i'm going to help them but i don't need to take that on as my own problem where it's affecting my relationships at home or my mental well-being I stopped being a helper and now I'm the one that needs help. And so having an energetic boundary helps you be a better coach. You are responsible for what you say to your client, the energy you bring to sessions, the thoughts you think about your client, how you respond to their actions, words, behavior that happen when you're with them, whether on a session or in Voxer or email or however else you communicate with them, how you hold boundaries. And that's like a you probably get what I'm saying, but I just want to articulate in case you've never heard that phrase before, when someone breaks your boundary that you let them know that you have a conversation, that maybe they ask for more coaching, but you aren't willing to do that and you let them know. Maybe it's not being in Voxer on the weekends, whatever it is, whatever your boundaries are, you uphold them, how you manage your emotions in and out of sessions and keeping your energy clean. And what I mean by this is there's no judgments of your client, right? We don't judge them. But also we don't enmesh with them. We don't become them. Their problems don't become us. (laughs) And that way we can see things with a clearer perspective. This also doesn't mean that we are cold hearted. I feel like I'm a really warm person and I have great boundaries. This isn't about being rude or short. I actually think you can hold boundaries in really warm, beautiful ways, depending on your own personality and preference. But I think that this is a way to create safety for our clients and you can do it in a very loving way. I feel like this applies to kids and husbands too. Yes, I think you got on a little late, but I said, this work is about everyone in your life, <laughs> not just clients. So yes, I think it totally, totally applies. And like I said at the beginning, boundaries are both spoken and unspoken. It is how you hold yourself. It's the beliefs that you have. And I'll share a few examples. And it's the things you actually say to people. And I actually think for me personally, my unspoken boundaries are very, very strong. And it's funny because my clients might not be able to like articulate what my unspoken boundaries are, but they know and they respect them. I'll break it down so you can kind of see what I mean. What are you available for? It's an interesting question to think about because when I was a newer coach and I didn't have great boundaries, I was available for all sorts of things. <laughs> I was available for people to get my DMs and get coaching. I was available for people to miss payments. I was available for people to ask me anything whenever they wanted even if they weren't a paying client and so you might ask yourself what are you available for and it's not that i'm not available for anything now but i have very clear things that i am available for and very clear things that i am not available for and you might consider what that looks like for you if you don't have any ideas if you're like feeling confused right now that's okay we're gonna keep going (laughs) okay Examples of spoken boundaries. This is often what we do with on our first call or when they're like on the consult with you and they're like, how does this love? What do we do together? All right, I commit to meeting with you three times a month. I'll answer Voxer within 48 hours on weekdays. So these are just examples. They don't have to be yours. You can share your thoughts and emotions and problems and dreams with me. I'm available to hear that on our sessions or in Voxer. If there's something that needs to be discussed with a therapist, I will tell you. And if I don't think we're a good fit together, I'll say that too. These are just some examples. And if you have a specific niche scenario where it's like, maybe you need to see a doctor, maybe that's a boundary that you hold to, like some things your doctor needs to handle, this is what coaching is good for. I think that that makes you a more powerful coach to say, this is what I do and this is what I don't do. It actually helps your clients trust you more. They know what they can come to you for. They know what kinds of questions are appropriate. And they know that you're going to tell them if, is something is not appropriate for your work together some examples of unspoken boundaries i do not tolerate unkind or manipulative communication with me this is a strong one guess what i don't get people who are unkind or manipulative i just don't because i'm not available for it in my thinking and how i think about other people treating me only paying clients get to pick my brain i don't say that but that's an energetic boundary that i have i'm not here to save you this is also something you're not going to see this in content or on my sales page right? This is an unspoken thing. It's the way I operate in my lives and in my world. I'm not here to save you, but I can't help you because you're powerful. You are powerful. I am powerful. You don't need me. I don't need you. This need is that codependency. So these are some of my unspoken boundaries. And I think powerful coaches, like this is some of the things that we just have as a way of operating in our mind. It's not necessarily something that you have to say, if that makes sense, but it is a way of carrying yourself in the world. Other Amber Boundaries. I wanted to put that because this does not have to be your boundaries, but I wanted to give you kind of a, maybe an example of things that I think about as boundaries. I don't worry about my clients between sessions. I've had clients in some really difficult situations. I've had two clients get tumors while we were working together. One continued to work with me and one took time off and both were fine. And I still didn't worry about them because that could drive me insane. I could leave that my mind open to like worry if they're going to be okay. So I could only handle the way that I know how, right? My thoughts, feelings, and actions. I said prayers for them. I did. I would ask them how they are. I would be genuinely curious and loving. It's not that I was like, oh, I don't care. But I wasn't sitting in my house crying about them. I cried on the session. I will say that. I cried on the session when they told me. And then I set a boundary because I don't let my work leak into the rest of my life. This is how I'm able to serve people. One of the things that my first mentor really told me is that worry is like a choice, right? That I could choose to worry about people, but I could also choose not to worry. And so I had just complete faith that they were going to be okay or that something was going to happen that was in that for the highest good of all, but I wouldn't engage in worrying. That's a boundary that I have or else, like I said, drive myself insane thinking about my clients all the times the other boundary that I have is that people just tend to make powerful decisions around me this seems like it's out of my control but I just really believe that right it's like a boundary in my head that like people are able to make powerful decisions I don't need to do that for them I don't need to persuade them I give them the space to make powerful decisions and I'm really thinking through that around people who maybe want to work with me or on a consult that's a really appropriate place to think that like they can make a powerful decision this is something that I'll probably spend a bit of time talking about. I am the same me in both free and paid containers, but the details of that relationship are different. So I'm going to give you some examples. I was just at a retreat. Actually, I was at two retreats last week. And in the context of those relationships, I coached people. I was engaged with them, but it wouldn't. I would never let them voxer me to pick my brain, right? It wouldn't be appropriate for them to treat me like their coach between the next time they see me but I was very engaged and loving and excited. In fact, I think a lot of you met me that way, right? Where I was like engaged with you and excited to talk with you. And we had a relationship long before you paid me money, but there are different available resources in different containers, right? And I think that that's good to know is that you don't have to change who you are when you're interacting with other humans that aren't your clients. You can be the same you. You can bring the energy and the love and the inspiration or whatever, however you identify But the details of the relationship are different, right? So you might even make that clarification in your own mind. Like, what do my paying clients get that a person that I met at the grocery store doesn't get? It's a lot, right? There's a huge difference, but you can still bring you into the relationship to the woman at the grocery store, if that makes sense, or someone who's a potential client. This is where it gets really fuzzy, I think, for coaches. It's more like, okay, this person is in my DMs asking questions. She's talked about wanting to work with me. What do I do? If anyone has like that coming up for them, I would love to talk to you to work through that with you. Because I think there are key differences, but you still get to be, you know, a powerful coach, even in a paid or an unpaid relationship while they're thinking about working with you. I take care of me unapologetically. Had to learn this the hard way. I remember, let's see, in 2021, I got mono and I remember feeling like I should still show up for my calls. And it was very interesting to see my brain do that. Like I still need to do this. People are waiting for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, breathe. You are sick. I was very sick. And it just showed me that my tendency to break my own boundaries was still a little bit there. And it's okay. I ended up canceling all my calls that week. But it's interesting that I think if you identify as like a helper, it can be easy to break your own boundaries. And it's interesting. This is what I think is fascinating. If my client asked me, should I cancel my calls? I have mono. I would say, yes but I wouldn't do that for myself, right? And so I was out of integrity with something that I actually believed in. And so that was just good to see. Other thing that is a boundary for me is families first, right? If something is going on with my kids or my husband or myself, that comes first and the business comes second. And you think that's easy until something arises where you have to make that call, (laughs) right? And I think that this is just a guiding principle in my life that like, if my family needs me, I'm there and everything else can take a backseat and that's okay. I love my clients, but they are free to come and go in my world. I think this is a really hard one when you've seen a client do really great things and then they don't want to renew, as an example. But when you believe that you can love them and you don't need them, they're free to come and go and make powerful decisions about how and when they work with you and you're going to be okay. This has served me more than probably any other because clients come back and sometimes they don't and that's okay. I am me and they are them and they have their own life and I have my own life. My clients don't need me and I don't need them. If it works out that it's a good fit for us to work together, great. I'm so excited. But I also never want my clients to feel like I need them. You guys know I love Rich Littman in the book The Prosperous Coach. She says needy is creepy. And I'm going to add that needy is unhealthy. So what's interesting is that's our work, right? Where we take care of our own internal situation, (laughs) our own feelings, our own beliefs, so that we never need a single client to say yes We never need a single client to Mm -hmm. renew. I think that's a really powerful way to go about in the world. I don't coach without permission. So I don't coach people in my DMs. That's something that, no, I might say, would you like help with that? And I might offer a call with me or something along those lines. But I think seeking permission is a very powerful tool when we coach. Um, Not everyone wants to be coached. So I don't go in Facebook groups and coach people. I think that that was helpful for me. I can offer love or ideas or resources, but I don't go in and just coach people. I ask people if they want to be coached. Would you like coaching on that? Do you want help with that? Would you like support with that? Are some of the questions that I would ask. This is an interesting one because I have different levels of clients or students, and this might be helpful for you. If you have maybe private clients and group clients, and how do you do it? Does everyone get the same amount? And this is just my answer to that. I don't spend time innovating or problem solving for specific people who aren't private clients. So for example, I wouldn't spend time thinking through someone's offers or what's going on for them if they weren't one of my private clients, but I will innovate and problem solve for them. Like on this call, for example, if one of you brought it, I would totally support you and innovate for you. I'm just not thinking about you in my free time, (laughs) right? And that's a mental choice so that I have clarity so that I am not always working in my mind. A lot of my boundaries are so that I'm not always working in my mind. If you are always working in your mind, you know it because you feel exhausted and burned out by your business. And so I think even knowing that there's different boundaries for different levels of clients, not because you don't love them, not because you're not in their corner. It's just what's appropriate and what's not per container is just important to know. And it frees your minds that you're not always stressing and thinking about other people. And I remind myself that my client's problems are not my problems. Will I support them? Will I innovate? Will I think and work it out with them? Yes, but at the end of the day, I go home to my family and my life, and I separate the problems that exist in my life and the problems that exist in my client's life. That way I can play the role I'm meant to play, which is their coach, and I don't get lost in the weeds with them. I think the way that LCS explains this is in the pool, (laughs) right? We're not swimming with them in the pool. And I think this is why I think that thinking is really important because you could easily become lost in their own emotions. And then you don't know, is this my emotion? Is this their emotion? And when you get into that, you've lost your ability to coach powerfully. Any questions about this? This is very Amber Boundaries. This isn't like, read this in a book. This is how I think through boundaries as a coach. When things are heavy, I want to take a second and talk about this because some of you guys are coaching people through heavy stuff. And I'm just going to share some examples that aren't like thought work, but help with thought work, if that makes sense. I let it wash off in the shower. So I learned this when I was working at New Haven, that I would imagine all the gunk, the thoughts, the heaviness, the darkness on me. And when the shower would hit me, I'd imagine it kind of falling off. And that was really helpful for me because some of the stuff wasn't mine to hold, right? I cared And so I would let it stick to me. This is almost what I imagine it now. When I'm talking to someone, I let it stick to me so that I can work through it. And then the moment that I'm done coaching, it's off of me so that I don't bring it to my kids, to my next client, (laughs) to my husband, right? And so I think the shower idea is just to know that it's not yours, it's someone else's and you can let that off of you. The other idea that I have is like this more visual is I imagine this ball of energy surrounding my client And a separate ball of energy on me right maybe different colors maybe different brightness so i can see like this is them this is me even if i'm engaged in talking about their heavy problems we're still separate they are not mine and the other thing that i do is i do send my client love when i think of them it's not like i never think of my clients or never think of you guys i do and when i do think instead of worrying or instead of are they okay i just send them love and what's interesting is it almost like comes in through me And then I can go back to what I'm doing until I'm ready. Maybe I need to answer a Voxer or answer an email or a Slack from you guys, right? I think that that's when it's more appropriate to actually coach or actually engage. But when I'm thinking of people and I'm trying to spend time with my kids, I don't want to be worrying about my clients when I'm trying to spend time with my kids, right? So I just send my client love and move on with my day. And that's something that has helped me. Radical self-care and self-responsibility And I said, you can't pour from an empty cup. Self-responsibility for me is managing my mind, like not letting myself worry about my clients. It seems like it's easy to just kind of let your mind wander, but we know, especially as coaches, that that's not a thing, that we can direct our thoughts. (laughs) And so I think taking self-responsibility in that way just makes you have longevity where you can coach without burning out. That is my whole hope for you guys from this whole idea is that you don't have to ever get to the place of burning out from your one-on-one clients, no matter how heavy it is. I haven't burned out of one-on-one in a very long time because I learned these things the hard way, (laughs) where I stopped taking care of myself and was worrying about my client and like thinking about them without any limits. And I got very tired and I was trying to pour from an empty cup. And then you'll notice I say the same thing in different ways a lot, but remember and realize your client is separate from you Even if they are your client, right? I think we tend to almost identify with our clients. Their results are our results. If they succeed, we succeed. If they fail, we fail. And that's not always helpful because I think it's interesting because we want to help our clients create different results. But at the end of the day, they create them. They choose you as a tool. And if they use you, great. And if it works and if they work the process great but they can also choose not to work the process they can choose not to be coached they could choose not to implement what you talk about right and so you really have to draw that line that they are responsible for their life and you are responsible for yours and like we talked at the beginning yes you are responsible for coaching them and doing all that you can do and being very aware of what you can't do like i think the personal trainer example is probably easier to see than life coaching The personal trainer cannot do push-ups for their client, but they can tell them about their technique. They can encourage them to do it. They can maybe critique their form along the way. By the end of the day, they can't do it for them. That's kind of the idea here is that we are separate from them. The paradox of boundaries. I'm gonna finish this slide and then I want to chat with you. So you guys know I believe in paradox everything everything has a paradox right you can love your clients without being in unhealthy patterns i actually do think you can love your clients and some coaches teach different i actually think you can in a very clean non-needy or non-inappropriate way where you can send them love where you can genuinely care about their well-being and you want them to get good results but you are okay if they don't right you don't take it home if they struggle You support them in the ways that you know how. And at the end of the day, you let go. The stronger the energetic boundaries you have, the more they trust you. I really believe this. And this is both unspoken and spoken. When you speak your boundaries, your clients know what you're expecting, what you're available for, when you're going to get back to them, what they can do within the container. And I think it just creates that safety for them to know what to expect in return. And then when people break boundaries, it's your responsibility to clean it up and realize it never has to happen again with that client. That's a really powerful thing too, is it really just takes one powerful conversation for a client to really get it. And if they don't get it, they might not be your client, which is if you have something that you want to bring, that is totally fine. But for the most part, if I've had to clean up boundaries with clients, that conversation only had to happen one time because I don't beat around the bush. I don't pretend it's okay if it's not. And the other side of that is sometimes my client's wonder if they like, Voxer's is a really good example, if they really can use a tool that I offer and it's good for them to know, yes, I want you to use it. I expect you to use it. It goes the other way too, where you give them a chance to chat with you or whatever in a way that you want them to use. I think just an understanding of what's expected is a really beautiful conversation to have. The less boundaries you have, the more people-pleasing you'll be inclined to do. And this is, like I said, coming from... <laughs> My own people pleasing. Because I think most of us genuinely want to help. But if you don't have boundaries, you will end up overextending in ways that you actually resent later. And so we want to have actually more boundaries, even spoken and unspoken, so that you know what you're willing to do, what you won't do. Your client feels better knowing your boundaries. I think one of our fears is that we'll upset them or that they'll be upset if we draw a boundary. And I actually truly believe this is that clients feel better once it's articulated in love, right? We don't have to be mean about it. We don't have to be cold. But once they know, they respect it. And it's like, okay, I know where I can get support when I can't. I know when you're going to respond and when you won't. I get it. The last thing that I wanted to share is that your time and energy are very valuable. And so is their time and energy. And you show them that by demonstrating that. It's one of those things that, yes, you could tell them that. But a way more powerful lesson is to demonstrate it so they can feel what it's like to be around someone who values their time and their own energy. Okay, those are my thoughts. I really want to hear what came up for you, especially if you struggle with boundaries in the past. But even if you don't struggle with it, I would just love to hear your insights or where you struggle with this. And if you struggle with boundaries in your personal life, that's totally valid here too. <laughs> Bonnie. Hi. 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 I definitely struggle with boundaries. (laughs) Okay.
1: And I exactly, as you said, the less boundaries I have, it's kind of like the Brené Brown thing, right? You say yes to everything and then your resentment just increases. Yep. So especially with my patients too, I've been trying to set more boundaries. I need to set more boundaries with my family also. But I'm in a practice where it's all about the patients and we're here to serve the patients. And a lot of times they'll come in late and it's like, I'm supposed to see the patient, but the whole, then I get upset because then everyone, it's affecting my whole schedule. So now I've set boundaries. I've set the 15 minute rule mm-hmm. and I give them options. If you want to wait and I can squeeze you in later, I'll do that. Or if you want to see another, the nurse practitioner or the physician assistant, we can do that. Yeah. It just feels so much better. And I think it does make them think twice about planning a little better. And I understand things come up. Mm-hmm. with people's schedules but could never go wrong with setting more boundaries so i just need to be better at that with my family <laughs> yeah what's coming up i feel like i'm the oldest and i'm labeled the responsible one and the uh, so like <laughs> yeah so i feel like a lot of hard things had come up with my dad like in the past and he was a very responsible and he was like in and out of jail and stuff like that and it was just kind of like on me to take care of everything like my sister who's three and a half years younger than me she lived in new york but it wasn't expected of her it was like a bonus if she did anything but it was expected that i did it and i just continued to do it so he's behaving better now (laughs) but I think I still have that role as, like, I'm the thread with on all of my family members when someone's sick. It's just kind of, like, expected that I'm there. and am the doctor, right? Yes. So I don't mind helping, but I don't know. Sometimes it's just, like, it's very interesting because people expect different things from different people. And I've never been very good at that with my family. So
0: In your ideal world, what
1: boundaries would you have? I don't know. It's that mixed feelings that I have you know I want to help but I get resentful that I'm always expected to help so I don't know how I can change that now honestly
0: so I think that what you're bringing up is a really good point that sometimes we've broken our own boundaries just maybe out of like we just didn't know we needed to set them and over time you don't have them right and so now it's like you have a history of a certain way and if you changed it it would feel abrupt or rude yeah is that what's coming up for you?
1: Yeah. Like my mom lives five minutes from me. And we're planning this trip to Ireland in July because my husband's from there. And my son's doing his first communion over there. And it's like my sister who's coming in New York. She doesn't have any kids and she has a boyfriend. And she's like, I need to plan this trip now. And I'm like, oh, gosh, can we just do it a little later? Like she expects me to do it, but she doesn't expect my sister to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just the same things. I don't know. It's just pissing people off. And it's just... I don't know, figuring out how to do it a little bit better.
0: Yeah. So that's like what I'm available for when I'm not available for, right? You could say I'm available to do it in four weeks. That is when I'm available to plan it. If you would like to plan it for that, that's fine. How would that feel but like prices are going up? And we need to get the itinerary going now. Is that what they say to you? Yeah. Or is that what
1: you were that's like- what we to yesterday?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think pushback is very normal. Yeah. And then you have a choice. Because I think this is what we end up doing. If we don't have clear boundaries, what we're going to do is make up reasons that we don't need to draw a boundary, right? Okay, I'll get to it. I'm busy, but I'll get back to you soon is not a boundary. Not one that's not true, right? Right. What's true is they're pushing on your boundary right now. Mm-hmm. You're not articulating it back to them. Yeah. So what do you yeah. want to do? I mean,
1: they just need to put it in practice, but it always feels better when the boundaries are set. Yes. For sure.
0: And it doesn't have to be like, I said, four weeks, but I'm not available to talk about it right now. Can we no. choose a free time to talk about it? That's a boundary, you know, that feels maybe a little softer. Yeah. Four weeks won't go. <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So then what, what are you willing to do that you won't resent them for that, like, you feel like you're in your power when you say it? Yeah. Well, just maybe like, I can't do it now. Just like you said, but I can do
1: it. Let's just plan a time next week. At this time or whatever
0: yeah this is when i am available to have that conversation yeah all good suggestions. i will implement very hard to implement with family i will i think it's harder when you have the history and the context and the relationship over decades (laughs) versus like a client that you just met on instagram three months ago right like it's a different thread but i know that you'll be better off for it because also whether consciously or unconsciously people feel our resentment
1: yeah and that's the thing. My sister is very good with her boundaries.
0: Yeah. So they don't expect it. Right? Because they know that they can't mess with them.
1: Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of guilt there too, though. You know, like my mom's relationship with my younger sister was rocky. So she kind of like walks on eggshells with her. And...
0: Mm-hmm. But then so. at the inverse of that for your relationship with her. So she gets to just do whatever with you because you can handle it? I mean
1: i can handle it but i don't think it's helpful for me
0: oh i agree but is that the thinking like well i can handle this it's okay sister i got this
1: no no, it's not that no and i tell her i'm like you don't expect the same things from her that you expect from me like i told her that yesterday i said so i have to come up with this itinerary now but she doesn't she's like no i don't expect her to i know she can't with work well She's like, you have to block your schedule anyways for work ahead of time. I'm like, I don't have to block it five months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So it's me pushing back, but it's still like yeah. our big
0: Yeah. I think another way to think about boundaries is prioritizing yourself in the proper order. Like, I learned this from my husband. He has type 1 diabetes, and he always would say, like, when we were in he'd always say, I take care of number one. And it always rubbed me the wrong way. Cause I'm like, oh, no, 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 like, good people take care of everyone else first. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> I had this like thought that's what we we're supposed to do. And yeah. he would say things that like kind of read me the wrong way that like he had to take care of himself, that he got to take care of number one. And then the more he demonstrated that to me, the more I really got it. I can't pour from an empty cup. If I don't take care of me, I cannot take care of anyone else. Maybe in the short term, but not in the long term and not in a way that feels in integrity to me. And I know what what we're talking about is very difficult. It's changing your family pattern. But I think that, and you can start small. It can just be what we talked about. Like, I'm not available to talk about that right now. But, you know, we can definitely set a time. Yeah. That feels better already. Yeah. Yeah. It's just exercising, like you're differentiating, right? Like, this is my life and this is what I'm available for. And you're welcome to come into it in these designated ways. (laughs) You know, it's not that I don't want you here. It's just that this is where it can happen. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. Not easy. (laughs) Anyone else have something come up about boundaries? Cindy? Okay, so I've got a couple of different ones.
2: Number one is with my fans. Okay. So because I do a lot of signings and speaking engagements, I get a lot of people who are like, they have been my fans since the very first book came out. Yeah, So they'll stop and talk to me, but there are other people like waiting. So that's number one. I don't know how to stop talking to them and say next, you know, type of a thing. And I've always done it that way. And I've just, you know, I'm very personable and chatty, but now as, you know, I've, Gotten bigger and lines are longer. And I mean, I even have people say, you know, will you go to lunch with me and look at my books? Yeah. Read my books. And I'm pretty good about saying now, you know, when they send me through email, hey, you know, I just finished my book. Do you have time to do this? And I recognize what a big time suck and drain that is, especially with somebody who's new. And so it's easy for me to say, you know, I really don't do that anymore, but not when it's like a person. I don't know how to not just give of myself and just say, even like this couple, and they will just hang around wherever I am. They will, if they find out I'm somewhere, they'll come and they will just follow me around yeah. a several and a half of the and they'll just, they'll just top talk, 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 talk. And I do, I love them. And I'm so thankful for them. But at this last signing I was at, they're like, hey, can we go to lunch? And can you talk to my husband? And he's nowhere near becoming what he needs to be. He needs a lot of work and stuff like that. And I'm like, sure. Before I could even let I process it in my brain, what do I want to say? I don't know what I want to say. I don't know how to draw that boundary or how to say, hey, you know. There are lots of people waiting behind you without hurting their feelings. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So this is more of like a internal thing, but what are you available for from your fans?
2: I don't know. Maybe I feel like
0: I owe them something because they're my fans. Yes. Or it's the root of your behavior, right? You believe yeah. something. Yeah. Like your book writing is not enough. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to what's well, it not turning to belief to that?
2: That I've already given them what they've asked for. Yeah. I I Let
0: don't know, the know that they're on already, top. They already got the good stuff. Yeah. What if that was really true?
2: I don't know. I mean i sometimes with people like this I've been like, Oh, you know, I know what's coming and maybe they're not my fan, but they're just another writer and it's easy for me when they come up and they're like hey and i'll say i do consult but it's a hundred dollars an hour and if they're really serious you know they've taken me up on that yes but how do you do that with the fan? I, <laughs> I don't know
0: yeah so you know for that so if we're talking about spoken boundaries i think it could be helpful to have something said before you engage with them so day they make a line and then you're like at the front of the room or something is that accurate
2: Yeah. Or sometimes I'm like at an expo and I'm like just at a booth and they're stopping by. Yes. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. inviting, if there's any new
0: books, then they'll buy books. And 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 the line grows. Is that kind of what happens? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You're just so in demand, Cindy. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds so terrible. So. You just have to be willing to say something like, thank you so much for coming. I'm actually going to see my next guest now. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. Okay.
2: It's as simple as that, right? I need to tell myself that is as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Okay. You could even front load people, which is just letting them know, you know, hey, I'd love to chat. But just so you know, I keep it to two, three minutes because I want to talk to everyone that's here today. And if that's okay with you, I'd love to you know, answer your questions or whatever you want to do. Something like that might resonate too. But I don't think you have to say something in the beginning if you're willing to say, okay, I've loved chatting, but I actually see someone else in line that I'm going to let come up now. Okay. And it can be from pure love because you're loving that, loving who's next. It's not like, yeah. Oh, get out of (laughs) here. You know? Yeah. Be abundant in all
2: ways. Yeah. And maybe some of that comes from, you know, my past when I've gone to see an author and I feel I feel like they do. I want to just chat with them and you don't want to be dismissed. And so I always feel like I don't want to dismiss them, but I don't want them to think that they're not important to me. But, I think
0: you're right. So this is something that I think is so important to remember is that you can't stop them from feeling that way. You might give them the most abundant, loving version of you and they can still think you dismiss them and that they're not important. That's true. And that's, that's the hardest reality of life, right? And so I think yeah. that thing you can control is how you feel about them. And what's funny is, is I know how you feel about them just by how you're talking. You love them and you want to be yeah. there for all of them. And in order yes. to thought, you have to put timer constraints on each fan. Yes. Okay. I
2: can do this. You can.
0: I can. In a very loving way. Right. You have to be cold about it.
2: Okay. And my second one is, with somebody I hired to do some of my marketing Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure I somehow want her to understand because she's very traditional Mm -hmm. in how she markets but she's also very successful at it right Mm -hmm. I don't know how to set the boundary that she needs to like despite what she's saying I will hear her but I want her to do what I want her to do.
0: <laughs> was any what was agreed upon at the beginning of your relationship? Because that was about.
2: Well, yeah, it was just very, very loose mm-hmm. in that it was never, you know, set specifically, and that was my fault because I didn't really know what I wanted. But now I more know what I want from her. Mm-hmm. And we're really good friends, too. So that's weird, too. And I just want her to know that I need her to be okay with breaking... That I'm trying to change things. That I'm trying not to follow in everybody else's footsteps, but create something new. Yeah. So do I just write it out? And then... I mean, I hired her, right? So... I should be able to create the boundaries of what is happening. She's allowed to set boundaries too,
0: right? Right. I think if you don't articulate them, she can never honor them. This is something the boundaries is that when we have unspoken boundaries that actually do need to be spoken, they can actually uphold them if you don't tell them. And this is a right. Some relationships too, right? It's like that mind read for me doesn't work. Yeah. I think maybe, yeah. I don't know what kind, do you meet with her regularly? Like, do you have check-ins? Or?
2: Yeah, most of it. So we Zoom sometimes when we need to. We also meet once a month in person, but it's more, and that's the other thing. It's, we meet because we're friends. We've always met once a month. Yeah. And now it's kind of mixed and, you know, we're supposed to go to lunch this coming week. And she's like, let's talk about you know, this, or, you know, business-wise, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Could I mix those two things at the lunch? Do I suddenly say, all right, now's business.
0: Maybe. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this super formal thing. When I'm setting a boundary with someone, it can be like, hey, can we talk about something that's been on my mind? And the way that I would phrase it for you is like, I've been revisiting my vision a lot and I know that it's going to be different than what we've been before. Are you open to talking about it with me today? Or would you rather set a different time and place to talk about it? Okay. um, I think is a really right. casual. Let her kind of
2: guide where that ends up.
0: Yeah, participate in it, you know. Yeah. When I'm drawing a boundary with a client, it might be like, hey, I have some things I want to talk you know, with you about. Would you prefer it on Boxer or would you like to talk about it at, on our next call? I kind of give them some options so that they feel like they're participating with me instead of me like right it's how it's gonna be now you're not i mean yeah first you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're co-creating this boundary because all boundaries are co-created right there's the person that upholds it and there's the person that honors it or there's the person that tries right. to uphold it and the person who doesn't honor it and then you have to draw a new boundary where it's like you're not welcome in my space anymore right right you're gonna get to that with this woman but i think almost like a fresh boundary setting. Yes. She doesn't even know what you want. So give her the chance to know. I know she doesn't. I've -hmm. tried
2: to sort of dance around it without knowing exactly. Part of that is because I wasn't sure, right? And I had to see some things before I knew. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of had to see how it was going to work before I could do that. So... Okay, I could do this. Both of those
0: things are totally doable. Let's, yes. I'll get you know, those done. On my end, like this is something that I think I remember when I draw boundaries, is I like hearing people's boundaries. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I know. And it's yeah, it's like this integrity thing where especially if you've been feeling off, my guess is she has been too. Yeah. Probably can't yeah. articulate it and maybe she's waiting for you to bring it up and she might even say something. I wouldn't be surprised if she said something like, you know, I wondered if something like this was going on with you or I wonder if you were like, yeah, okay, but I didn't want to push on your toes or you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, wanting to respect you in your process for delivering boundaries. And so I'm not going to be surprised. Right. I should feel great after the conversation because of the clarity. Right. Awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited for you too, Cindy. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> I will. Hey, Anyone else have a question or want to work through something boundary related?
3: Amber, I, I have a weird one. No
0: weird ones. I love it. So
3: with other coaches. Yeah. So for example, if you're asked to help with an event of another coach, who's also your friend. Yeah. And speaking at a retreat or something. Mm-hmm. And... You kind of have to, like, rearrange your schedule for it. And I guess more is expected than you had anticipated. And I don't know, just it's also your friend. And so,
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Are you getting paid for it? No. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing it as a favor to her? Mm-hmm. Did you have any boundary type of conversation in the beginning? No. And now she's putting more on you than you're willing to give?
3: Yeah. Like, I'm like, if this happens in the future, I don't want to do it because... I'm going to be presenting three days in a row, which is a lot, but I've had to like move my clients and stuff. And I just don't think that I want to do that in the future. I think that I just want to have just one time that I speak so that I don't have to. And
0: she wants me to be there for the whole thing and all of that. Yeah. And you said yes at the beginning? Uh Uh-huh. When you said yes, do you feel like you had a full picture of what was going to be required of you?
3: no. I think that I just had envisioned in my mind and then was like, yeah. So I realized that it's my fault. I shouldn't, yeah. you know, ask so, for all the details.
0: Yeah. So how I handle this is like, I honor the word that I gave. So like, if I told her I would be there, I'm like making a mental note. This is never going to happen again. <laughs> I yeah. will have a yes. conversation, but I'm going to honor the word that I gave because that's the kind of person I want to be. And if I have a feeling that's what you're thinking through too. It's like, I already told her, yes, for sure. There, And then in the future, it's like, this is what I'm available. Now, now, that question, like, what am I available for? What am I not available for? You have clarity about. You're not available to speak more than one day at a retreat. You're not available to stay at the full time at a retreat or whatever, at an event. And now you know that and now you can articulate that when someone approaches you about speaking. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I think your work is going to be not resenting her while you're at the retreat, this one. And just honor your word and leaning into the feeling that that gives you. Like I'm honoring my word and that feels good. I don't love this, but I am honoring my word and that does feel good. Mm-hmm. And then also maybe you during the event, you articulate boundaries like, oh, I'm not actually willing to coach after I speak or like, I'm not willing to do that with you. I need to rest. I'm so sorry. How does that feel? Yeah,
3: no, like it feels good Yes, it does. It feels good. I think that I'm just like, I'm supposed to stay until Sunday and I don't even want to do that. Like yeah. I want to leave Saturday night and I want to go stay at my brother's house mm-hmm. down there. And so like, I don't know if, would you do that? Like, would you tell her?
0: Okay. So I'll give you an example. So the, I was at two retreats last week. The second one I was at, her retreat was from Thursday to Sunday. And I told her I thought I would be there the whole time. But then my four-year-old got sick and she was missing me and stuff. And so I just told her my part was over and I was like, I'm leaving Saturday. And I just told her. (laughs) I was like, sorry, I know I told you. I just said, I'm leaving Saturday. And she was like, okay, because that was my boundary, right? And if you feel like you need to explain, you can explain. But Mm -hmm. are you getting paid for this? No. So it's a favor to her. It can be on Mm -hmm. your That's okay. (laughs) I think that would be appropriate. Okay. Do
3: you ask for payment when you do retreats?
0: It depends on who it is, if I'm being really honest. If I have a okay outstanding relationship with people, I will just do it for free because they're my friend and I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is an opportunity. I think, you know, like a Katie Borland's retreat, she promotes me. Mm-hmm. She, like, mm-hmm. you guys need to get in Amber's world. Like she does that of her own free will. And I almost always sign clients from the retreat and she knows that. So I yeah. ask for her to pay me. She has an opportunity for me, just like I'm helping her out. It's a give and take. So that's how I see it. Okay. But like events, yeah. I think it has to do with the relationship that I have with people, if I'm being really honest. So if we have this relationship, that's okay with me. But I go by how I feel, right? If it didn't feel good to do something for free, I would probably say something Mm -hmm. and that would be my filter. So that's not very technical advice. That is definitely like a Amber, this is how I handle it. So take that. As you will, <laughs> and make your okay. own decision about how you're going to handle it as well.
3: Okay, yeah, because I kind of feel like I'm almost being taken advantage of sometimes yep. because I feel like I'm just a volunteer for her coaching business, and I just
0: am there to like help her. Yep. So stuff, I'll you, and I'll give you another example. So, like, if it's someone that I wouldn't do it for free, and they say, "Would you be willing to speak?" I'll say, "Would you be willing to let me pitch my stuff?" Because then I'll speak for free if I can like talk about my program. Other times people approach me and they're like, what is your speaking rate? Or what, you know, how much do you charge to speak to a group? Then you might just invent a number. There's so many different scenarios depending on how they approach you, right? You could be like, yeah, I'm happy to chat with you about what it looks like to hire me to speak at your event. So that they know this is not a freebie thing if you feel like that's not appropriate in this situation. hmm because if you feel like you're getting taken advantage of, it means your boundaries have been crossed. Yeah. Maybe you weren't able to articulate them, but now you are and you have yeah. the clarity about what's been crossed. And now you can tell people.
3: Yeah. I think the part that gets confusing for me or sticky for me is that like I consider her a friend. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, where's the line of like, okay, I'm doing this as a friend. But then I'm also like, I don't know. This is something that you should be paying somebody to do. That's how I feel. Yes.
0: And okay. now you know that. Even for Frank, right? Yeah. For the retreats that I spoke at, I only had to do you know, one presentation each and the rest of the time I could just chill. <laughs> and so that wow. felt fine for me. But if she's having you do three days in a row, it's almost like your retreat that you're not getting paid for. <laughs> and that feels a little bit out of alignment, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, for sure.
0: Wouldn't you want to hear that from your friend in a loving way? Like, wouldn't you want to know the truth
3: Yes, I would much rather know the truth than be mad at me or resent me or
0: whatever. You secretly. Yeah, that's why I draw boundaries. I'm like, I would want to know. Yeah. And you can do it lovingly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Everyone brought up sticky stuff. Boundaries are sticky. So the last thing I'm going to say before I let you guys go is that this isn't like a black and white thing, right? It's not always super easy. It depends on your relationship. It depends on what's already been said. It depends on who's breaking the boundary, right? If my mom breaks a boundary, it's very different than a troll on social media and how I handle it is very different, right? Like I'm not available for that. Please don't ever send me a DM again, but like, that's very different than like working with my mom and setting a boundary, for example. Look for the principles of setting a boundary and then do it. That's where all the power is, right? It's not going to come from thinking about it. Even if you just make a little list, like what am I available for from this person? What am I not available for from this person? It'll give you a lot of clarity. So, and especially with our clients it's really healthy to do this, but the examples even today were more of a personal nature. And I think that that's where they creep up the most because we tend to break our boundaries for people we love. And that's where it comes back to bite us. So if you have any other questions, like we have a full Q and A slash coaching call tomorrow, please bring your questions about anything that we've talked about, but boundaries included. Because I think, as you guys could tell, like, it's the real life application that where it really starts to make sense and you can really see where you can apply it. So we can do all sorts of examples tomorrow. Okay, All right. Bye, guys.